Hi, my name is Rich Fournier. I'm your host here at the Peak Results Academy podcast. And in this episode, I sit down with Wayne Bagley, who's been in the real estate industry for over 30 years. He works with Royal LePage RCR Realty out of their uh, Orangeville office and specializes in country properties. Okay, now he has been awarded Royal LePage's Chairman's Club Award in 2017. And for those of you that are not in the real estate industry, you need to know this is in the top 1% in the country for all of Royal LePage. Uh, and in 2018, he was awarded Royal LePage's Red Diamond Award, which is in the top 2% in the entire country for Royal LePage, that particular company. Now, outside of real estate, Wayne is really, truly an artist at heart. Uh, he played drums for many years. He played drums professionally uh, for about three years and then um, opened a music artist management company um, and managed bands and artists for about 15 years. Now, this was all done prior to being a professional real estate agent. Um, some of his past history includes being on the board of directors for SERPA, which is the Canadian Independent Record Production Association. Now, he... Uh, headed the membership committee there. And at one time he was also on the board of directors for the Juno Awards. And that was through 1987 through 1989. So um, a, a fascinating history, a fascinating conversation with Wayne. Um, he's gonna share with you some really key points that I think are really important for you to listen to. It doesn't matter if you're in the real estate industry or not. Um, four key points that are so important if you're making a decision with whatever you wanna do in the future. So thanks again. Uh, hopefully you enjoy this podcast and we're always here to help. Stay tuned. Have you ever wondered why some people thrive in all areas of their life? Welcome to the Peak Results Academy podcast with your host, Rich Fournier. Each week, we interview industry experts who consistently dominate in the fields of health, business, and beyond. Our mission is to share their personal struggles and strategies so that you can create your own peak results. Welcome to the Academy. Hello, everybody. Rich Forney here for the Peak Results Academy podcast. In this episode, I'm super excited to have Wayne Bagley with us today. Super interesting guy, very successful real estate agent. Um, he's been in the real estate industry for over 30 years. He focuses on country properties. Um, he was awarded Royal LePage's Chairman's Club Award in 2017, which is the top 1% uh, in the country with Royal LePage. And in 2018, he was awarded Royal LePage's Red Diamond Award, which is the top 2% in the country. He's had an amazing career in real estate, but prior to that, he was a musician, and I think something really did of note, he was actually on the board of directors for the Junos at one time, so super excited to have you here today with us, Wayne. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> we try to, you know, we throw in as much as we can right in the beginning, because you've done so much in your life, and, and having you on this podcast, we're very, 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 very excited to, to have you here, because... Well, to last 30 years in the, in the industry, to make a transition from being a musician into the real estate industry is really interesting, but they hit the top one and 2% of all agents in Royal LePage across the country is um, not common. And in this podcast, we're looking for things that are not common. We're looking what had created a peak result in any one area of someone's life. So that's why we're very excited to have you with us today. Great. Right. So maybe we can get started a little bit about um, you've been in real estate for 30 years and um, um, you focus entirely more or less just on country properties. 
And I think you've said to me a few times that you're selling, you're selling joy and happiness and a dream out there in the country. So maybe we can start off by a little bit. How did you get into real estate? What was that transition like? Well, it, it actually came fairly smooth, which is a, was a surprise to me. I thought it was going to be more difficult to make that transition because I was managing music artists uh, in the industry um, for 15 years prior to that and had played in the band prior to that. And uh, so all of a sudden I make the transition into real estate. But before I started into real estate, I had you know bought my first house and made some money on it when I resold it and uh, I bought one investment property and I kind of sort of felt like if I ever got where I really wanted to do, go in the music business, I would probably invest in real estate. So we, we, we were at a threshold where where the uh, acts that we're recording at weren't going, to, weren't going to carry on and we were going to be looking for new talent. And it was going to take another five or 10 years before we found out if we were in the right direction. So my partner and I looked at each other and said, we just don't want to take that risk any, anymore because it's a very high risk business if you're going to really try to make it in that industry, right? So just to so, clarify, you had a management company in the music business. Yes, we used to manage bands for, for uh, in in the music business and recording artists. We had two couple of groups to record albums and that and have releases. But uh, it's a long, long term investment, and um, I think we re reached a threshold where neither of those acts was going to carry on, and uh, so we would have to find another one and start all over again. And that's where another five to ten year plan had to click in, and that's where we just sort of felt like. No, you know, we just didn't have it left in us. So we I made the transition. Real estate was a natural thing to choose because I was always fascinated with the real estate business anyways. Um, so, uh, you know, the only thing that I kind of had uh, to be careful about is I didn't have a lot of heart, love and passion for in-town properties. I really felt the country was more my niche. And I had bought a, once I left the business, I had bought a country property, I had bought a farm, I raised my boys there. And, uh, you know, they learned to swim in the pond and, you know, it, it, it was great. And uh, so I felt like, well, I should just sell what I live. And uh, that made a lot of sense for me because everything I list, every property I get involved with is different. It's all unique. There are no two country properties the same. So that keeps me excited, keeps me fresh. You know, so I, I really enjoy that. You know, my, my boys, you know, in the country when they grew up, it was different than when I grew up down in near Park Credit, Mississauga. Like when, when you grew up down there, you didn't hang out with your younger or older brother. That wasn't cool, you know. And whereas, um, you know, there's a lot of peer pressure in that. When we moved up here, it didn't matter. My boys became best of friends and the age group meant nothing and all their friends felt the same way. And uh, they all moved to Whistler after that, and they're snowboarders, and that's their home now. They all lived together for the first four years, and two of them still live together now. So it, it, I don't think that would have happened in a different environment if they didn't grow up in the country. Um, so when they got up first in the morning, they got together and played together. So, you know, it, it was really a, a, a smart choice from that standpoint of raising the kids from there. It was just phenomenal just to carry on and actually sell these type of properties to people because, you know, I'm, you know, as opposed to running around in town from door to door and then often showing a very similar property with maybe the bathroom on the different side, you know, maybe a little bit different living room that I'm out there 
showing walking land over rolling hills, streams and ponds and forests. And, and uh, you know, on a great day, you know, you, you get to go for a bit of a hike with the, with the client to show the property. And then of course you gotta, you go through the house, but the house, every one of them is unique. Everyone is different. So it keeps you, it keeps you fresh, keeps you excited and, and keeps you motivated. Right. And you will, I could imagine how, because, you know, as I'm north of Toronto, sometimes I have to show some properties myself. And, you know, you know, we're driving out in the country. It's beautiful. It's, it's a great day. Really. Like you, you can't go wrong with what we do for a living. We're not, you know, in town all the time. And, and it makes for a nice quality of life during the day. When you make a transition over from one industry to another. Um, and you mentioned something like you, you know, it's a long term perspective in the music business. You're betting on someone over the long term. How many skill sets did you bring over from that industry over into real estate? Because let's be honest, when you make a transition to real estate, it's not quick. Like you're, you, most people aren't doing a deal the, you know, the week of or the second or third month into the business. So how uh, yeah. that transition for you? Yeah, it, it, was, um, it was a great training ground, I would say, for real estate. Um, you know, I loved the business. It was very difficult for me to, le- to leave it. I had a lot of heart, love, and passion for that. And I was disappointed that we felt that we had to move on to other things. And, um, but, you know, you, in the music business, if you look at what we had from a marketing standpoint, um, you, know, you're, you're, you know, if you launch an artist, you've got radio air player, you've got radio interviews, you've got magazine interviews, you've got ads that are taken out, you've got videos, you've got songs being played on the, the radio, you've got, you know, clothes, you've got tours that you're doing, your live performances and that, all this to market that record, to market those songs, right? In the real estate business, when I got in, back, you know, originally, you know, I looked at where, what are the marketing tools? And it was like a black and white ad in a newspaper. And that was about it. And back then, you know, the, the real estate boards were very broken up, you know, they were very segregated. So one board didn't necessarily always complement the other. And now that's changed the access with the internet for our MLS systems, uh, you know, has really improved the, uh, the communication regarding your listings and your property. So when I got into it, I looked at it and go, okay, I want to do something different. And so the first thing I decided that I had to be myself. So I never changed from the way I looked or the way I was from the music business because I wasn't comfortable to do that. I, for me to all of a sudden, you know, cut my hair short, wear a suit and, you know, it just didn't, didn't uh, suit me. Right. So I, uh, kept the same type of image and was comfortable. And that's why I I did that. Um, But, you know, I I had to look at it and go, okay, what can I do that's different? Well, so I started running colored ads. I was a big fan of print media, even though a lot of people were still using black and white. I was pushing for color. I tried to do uh, anything that I could that was a little bit unique, have the photos a little different. And I started putting, for fun in the country properties, I put little arrows on it, you know, to the pond saying fish, or, you know, up in the tree, uh, a hawk, you know, just, 
you know, in the barn sheep, if that's what was it was there. And it was just sort of fun stuff to keep, keep people's attention, to draw them in, to spend more time to actually read what was there. And, you know, as time grew, this became a real advantage to me because our marketing tools increased drastically in the real estate business. So now I'm really working on maximizing on that, you know, and, and trying to, uh, you know, from my skill sets of being involved with videos and that back in the music industry, well, this is getting transfer, transferred over what we can do now that makes it just that much better and that much more unique. When you look at starting a career in real estate, specifically, you know, focusing in the country market. Um, it's not like you're going knocking on door to door to door to generate business um, because it's just, it's, it's not practical because you're walking, I mean, the geographic distance between properties sometimes are huge. So um, how did you get started in that world? Because the traditional prospecting. Well, originally, well, originally I did try. I did try door knocking. I hated it, so I stopped that immediately. Um, so I started by actually taking everybody's duty at the office, so I could just try to get a good feel and connection started. And then, you know, I was driving around the countryside, and if I was talking to somebody, of course, I would introduce myself. But if I happened to see that somebody's property, all of a sudden the sign was gone, then I sort of, back then you were allowed to, you could check out and say, well, are you interested in carrying on? And notice the sign's down as you're, you know, are you looking to uh, list again, right? And just over time, and particularly spending the money on the ads, I always do large ads, not little ads, it started to get a return from me and I started to get a reputation for the country properties because I was focused. The most important part was being focused. And, and uh, it, you know, it took a number of years. And the other thing is, is when the markets shifted, like I got in in, in 1989 around September, uh, October, I guess, and by, you know, and, and did well and, and sold a couple of properties and uh, farms actually in particular. And by the May of, of uh, 1990, I couldn't have got within $100,000 of either of those properties. You know, that's how fast it dropped. Well, during that time, I still hung in. I still paid the money. I still promoted myself so that I was going to be in the forefront when the market started to improve. Unfortunately, during that time, sometimes, you know, you were listing properties with people that were in trouble and, and it was no, not always a happy story, but, um, you know, it was something that, that you needed to do. And, uh, you know, it's like sometimes we're listing properties where there's a divorce involved. And uh, that's not, uh, you know, necessarily the, the most exciting thing to, to have happen, but it's part of reality. The best scenario is somebody that actually is excited about moving the property and the people that want to sell it are excited what they've done and proud of it. And you put those two elements together. And if that heart, love and passion is there, that's when you got a deal. It's usually not an analytical process other than the market at the end of 2011 change where agricultural land, we started judging it per acre. Like it went up to like 10,000, 15,000 an acre. There was actually a, a business element attached to it. So that changed some of our evaluations, or if somebody had a particular business use for the property, but most of the people that I deal with are buying out of strictly that heart, love, and passion we talked about. 
And if that's not there, why would they buy it? You know, I don't want to even sell it to them if that's not there because I want them to make the right decision and be happy with what I accomplished for them or help them do. So when you look at when you grew, started growing this business out in the country, I mean, like it, you don't make a ton of money initially. So like, where did that drive and focus come from to continue on in a business that quite frankly, 90% of people fail? Well, it didn't take me that long actually to start to make some money, but you're right. It's a tough call in the beginning and you have to invest in yourself. But I had that background in the music business anyways. I mean, the music business, you're managing a person, which is the most high risk product you can ever manage or be involved with, right? Uh, People are, are, are change their mind, sometimes unreliable, you know, so, so it's just the way it is. So I was used to that. So the idea of having the risk, it didn't bother me and I was prepared to invest in it, but it, it actually worked reasonably fast for me. You know, I was one of the top agents in the office that I started within eight months. Did you so, were you able to pull from your, your circle of influence from the music industry or was that just dead? Nope. I, I started with knowing nobody because I grew up down near Port Credit. I started in a Georgetown office. I knew nobody there. I eventually moved to the Orangeville uh, offices because I bought a property out in a little hamlet called Orton, a farm. So it was kind of in between those two. And I didn't know anybody. I just just uh, focused on what I wanted to do and what I loved. And it, it started to click in. Hmm. Now, when you worked... Um when you started acquiring names and that granular process of running a business, was that, you know, was that a part of your daily method of operation or were you much more of a free spirit in regards to managing um, names, phone numbers and communication? And how did that work back then? I would say I was more of a free spirit and uh, I used to have an excellent memory and, and I hardly ever wrote that down appointments or anything. I just would remember them uh, when I first got started in that. For years that went, went on. Uh, now I've, you know, I got to be a little bit more careful about that, uh, you know, as you get older. But uh, um, no, I, I would say the free spirit is a great tag for, for it. Is uh, I didn't approach it from, you know, I've got to get X number of the listings and I got to do so many ends and I've got to make this amount of money. I never did that type of a forecast. I just kept working until it came together. Often by the end of the year, I don't even really know until they, you know, in this case, give out their awards of how much money or how successful I really was for the year. I got a feel for it, but I don't know. I don't have it down to, you know, oh, I've, I've got X number of dollars coming in. I, I don't pay attention to that. My job is to focus on the buyer and the seller and do that job first. My self is not the priority. They are. And then once I do that, once I accomplish that, then I get paid. You know, so it's sort of a, at, at the end of it. But uh, it, it's worked well, well for me. And I know that, uh, you know, the normal business practices, you're supposed to start your year plan, right? I've never done that. Right, right, right. So did you have a reservoir of finances to get started and to not have to worry about those sorts of things? Oh no, it's scrape scrape by, you know. Yeah, scrape by and invested. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, well, you, you you had to keep going, you know. And uh, but as I said, I I was used to that risk in the music business. 
Right, right. If you were to give somebody advice today to who wants to play in the area that you're in, which is the country area, um, wherever, whether it's, you know, in Canada, United States, Australia, like what would you recommend that they do today to start? Because the internet has changed our industry quite a bit. Yeah, it's... Um it's really complemented our in- industry is what uh, the way I would, I would look at it. It's given us a lot more resources and uh, you know, um, you know, the way you handle offers and presentations and fix, you know, change, change offers and that it's much more fast stream doing it all on the, you know, on computers and internet and that. So it, that part's uh, great. But if I was to recommend to other people, um, first of all, they got to decide that this is something they really love and don't get into it unless they're prepared to hang into it for the next couple of years. If they think, you know, they're going to try it out for six months, they might as well not start. Got it. You know, that, that, they, you've got to really want to do this and you've got to be able to be self-motivated. You've got to be able to get yourself out of bed and start working and figure out what am I going to do and how am I going to do it and what am I, how am I going to do it differently than the next person is doing it, right? And, uh, you know, when you're out on a presentation communicating with somebody, you've got to be excited about it, you know? So if you're not really that excited about listing a country property, well, they'll pick up on that. You know, you, you've got to have that heart for it, you know, and, and if you don't, I think you should work in town. You know? Right, right. It, you're, you're, your turnover in town, it's far faster and your expenses are far less. Like you, like I spend a lot of money on print media, you know, still today, even though we've got the internet, even though we've got all those marketing tools, I still believe that print media is, is really an important part of what I do and what I need to offer my uh, clients because we're dealing with such a limited market out in the country. Like, you know, I'm probably lucky in most cases if I'm dealing with a half percent of the real estate market. And I say that because of the bulk of the people, if you think about it, want to live in Toronto, Mississauga, Oakville, some of them in condos, some of them detached homes. And then when I was growing up, you know, you had the outskirts, which would have been like Milton and Brampton. That's where they want to be. And then they go to places like Georgetown and, and, and Orangeville all in town. The, the, uh, then they'll do the countryside subdivisions. We're the last on the list, but we're diehards for it. The people that want to take on, you know, a 10, 15, 20, 100 acre parcel and want that kind of a privacy. And also there's a dollar factor. It's, it's usually more on the higher end of the market. So um, it, it narrows the market right down. However, it's worked for me and uh, I'm, I'm happy about that. When you, so you're still advertising in print is um would you say it's 20 percent of what you do 30 percent of what you do in terms of marketing uh that's a that's a tough one you know because you're you're out there in so many directions now with the uh the internet and the print media and everything else it's hard to sort of focus i think it's a a combination more than anything that it, it works, but I, I certainly have had uh, a fair amount of success of actually getting the buyer and selling properties I've listed. Um, I have a fairly high ratio of that, and that has definitely come a lot from my advertising. But it had to be consistent and it had to be large. Like the Toronto Star ads I run, 
on the Saturday and the Sunday about every three weeks and that are half page ads. I don't do small ads. That's scattered advertising. You need to institutionalize yourself and you need to hang in. I mean, it took, when I started working and spending the money into that, those star ads, it took, you know, a while before people were actually looking for the ad. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you'd run the ad and you really didn't get any response from it. So you just had to keep going until actually people said, I started to hear it. I love your ad. It's great to see that, you know, it's in there. I have actually some people that have emailed me saying that they really enjoyed my advertising. They're not even looking to to, uh, buy a property. They just out of the blue emailed me to say it, you know, because my ads are a little unique. I have pictures of, uh, you know, my animals in it uh, at times. And then as I mentioned to you about the little arrows with the fish and the pond and this sort of uh, um, uh, information on it. And then of course, focusing on the property, we've got to pay for good videos, good, good uh, photos. Uh, we need drone shots in the country to, to show the whole ambience of that property overhead. That's a much better shot, even angling on a house. When you're angling from up, you see all the, the different layers of the house, the different design of the roof and that. So it's much more pleasant. It gives you a much better aesthetics on, on what you're actually look, going to go look at if it strikes you. And the, but the most important part is, is after we do all that, the goal is only one thing, and that's to get them out to see it. If they don't come out and see it, you've got nothing. They're not going to buy it from the internet. It's you know that's just not going to happen because you can't feel it. I, you I, can see it, but you can't feel it. So, do you find that a lot of people reach out to you from your print advertising? Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. I, there's no nothing. There's no question in my mind. My print advertising is working for me, and I also believe I owe it to the people I make the commitment to to market their property. I think you got to go above what the norm is. I think you've got to got to spend that extra amount of money and just do it. I'm in you know a couple of magazines. I'm in three other newspapers. You know, it, it's it's all complementary to reach that audience out there that may look at this property um, and uh, but but it's got to be big it has to has to be noticeable uh, I used to I tried those little scattered ads where you take one listing because somebody wanted to be in this paper or that paper right the chances of a call on that is so slim you know you need to build a reputation over over three months four months five months so people are actually going to look at the ad because they know it's coming out and then it works that language is really interesting to me. You need to institutionalize your, your branding. I you do. To put it that way. I, absolutely. You know, um, I think anybody getting into this business has to decide who they actually are and can they live the image that they're presenting to the person they're going to meet if it's a listing or the buyer they're going to meet and and whatever their advertising said, you've got to be able to live that because people pick up when somebody is uh, what I would call is, um, let's say, a, a learned, structured salesperson, people pick up on that and, and it's cold. It doesn't give you the warmth for a country property that you need. You, you, you need to help them feel the property and they need to feel that you really want 
them to feel that and you actually feel the property that you know what you're talking about. And we're into whole different things within the country property. We're into wells and septics and, uh, and you know, large acreage, uh, you know, barns and, and uh, you know, a number of outbuildings. Houses in some cases that have been there since about 1850 and other cases that are re relatively new. So it's, it's quite a variety. So you need to know that. And then we've got the HST to deal with in some cases. If it was uh, a, a operational farm, is it, is, it, is it going to be carried on? And is HST applicable or not applicable uh, on that? And, uh, and of course, always, I will always recommend to... Uh, uh, a buyer to do a building inspection. I think you, uh, that, that, that's not just to find out problems, it's also an education about the property for the buyer to understand how everything in that home is actually working in that so that they're making a, a, a the proper decision. You know? And if you cover all that and you do that, and then, oh, the, the most important thing here is financing. Financing a country property is totally different than in town because in town you've got a lot of comparables. In some cases, you got three houses on the same street that sold that are the same model, right? Out in the country, you don't have two properties the same. So it's a bit of a, you know, we're, we're taught in school, you, you, ha you have to pay, you know, pay attention to apples and apples when you're, when you're looking at something. You can't. You are putting together apples and oranges in the country, and you have to have that knowledge of what would, why did that one sell for an extra 100000 versus the other? Was it the river? Was it the ambience? You know, is it that the, uh, the other one was flat open land and that's what weren't people, people weren't looking for that at a time? Or in that particular case, if it's 80 acres of workable land right now, that's worth a lot of money because uh, the farm business is up. You said something, I think that, I don't want to gloss over it, and I think I need to bring it out. This is the, there's the nuances of, of the real estate business. There's the nuances of working how you work and understanding all those, the granular part of doing a transaction. But you said something. You said, can you live into that image of what you are presenting? Yes. And there is so much power in what you just said. Right. So for our listeners today, again, this podcast is about what's creating a peak result. You said something, you made a decision. Yes. This, that first step is missed by everyone that I know. Really? Like to make a real decision. Like a decision is giving yourself a command and having the ability to follow through on it. Right. You made a decision. There was no wavering. There's no plan B. This is what I am doing. True. Yeah. There's no like, I'm doing this, but. I'm doing this, but. Right? Yeah, I, I can see, succeed doing that. Right. You can't. You, you, like, you just can't perform at a high level without making a firm decision. Planning your flag. Drawing a line in the stand. And then... Before you make that decision, though, that question is, can you live into that image of what you are presenting to the world? That means, are you congruent? Is yes. your internal being congruent with what you want the world to see? And if it's not congruent, you can't do it long term. You may do it for a bit and fool some people and fool yourself. But if you're not congruent with your decision, 
in your heart, it's not going to work. I agree. That I agree 100%. You either can live and feel what you're working on or what you're working at and, and your, or your communication skills with the other people are just not very good. And what they pick up, people, people all have a natural ability to pick up senses off of people of whether they're comfortable with themselves and whether they're being honest and uh, whether they're excited actually about what they're doing. And if you don't have those, why do you want to buy one of your major purchases in your life through that person? So it's really important that whatever you decide your image is, whatever you're going to be like, uh, look like, whatever you're going to uh, talk like, how, you know, how you're going to present it, you can live it. It's really you. It's not some formula. It's not some course that you took and this guy said, this is how you sell. The, the, those days are, are, you know, there was a point to that at one time. I think those days are past. It, you know, it, it's like even in politics, people are looking for charisma. And if you don't have the charisma, I don't think you're going to get elected. And like, like you have to have some kind of authenticity, right? Yeah. Where if you're not being who you are, and most of us don't even know who we are. Anyway, we haven't taken the time to really. <laughs> True. <laughs> no, so they haven't made a decision about who they are and what they're okay with. Right. So that decision, that, that first thing, decide. And I think, you know, when I work with, you know, even in the real estate side, our clients decide, what do you really want? Decide. And you can't make a decision until you really know what you want. Sometimes you can't make a decision because you haven't looked at enough things to make a decision, right? Yeah, I think that's part of the, in the country, I, I, I hate showing the wrong properties to people. So if I get a call and, you know, it's about a particular property, I already always show that property, right? Because I owe it to the people that I listed the property with because that's what they call them, right? From there, if it's right, great. Then my job is, is I've got to show them some kind of comps and comparables that this is the right range. And then they can decide, you know, what, what price, price they would put on it themselves. What are they comfortable with? And... But um, if it's wrong, right at that point, I've got a good feel of what they're looking for. I hate showing people the wrong property. Right. And, uh, and I feel that if I can't help them and if I can't listen to them, important to you listen to them and come out with what I really believe they're looking for, then why do they need me? Right. You know, I've actually helped. Uh, I had one deal. Um, that the people called me on a property and once we looked at it, uh, they felt it was wrong because it, it needed a lot of work. It was a great location, a great property, but it was certainly with a massive outbuildings and that and a tremendous amount of money to put into it to make it work. And it wasn't so much the money, it was the ongoing, how long it worked that was going to be required to maintain it. It was a money pit basically, right? So then I sent them five other listings. One of them was my own and the other four weren't. And they picked three and we went out and saw them. They almost bought one that was log house, but then they decided it was too dark for them. So I said to them, you know, I've been listening to what you're looking for. And I sent you this one property that I happen to have listed. And I think that it's really got all the elements of what you're looking for. And she said, well, she said, okay, send it to me again. So I sent it to you, to her. 
She phoned me and said, okay, we'll come and look at it. We drove up the driveway, and this is a true story, and we're talking about a property that sold for almost $2 million. We drove up the driveway, we walked into the house, they looked out the backyard where the pool was and that, and they both turned to me and said, this is what we're looking for. And they bought it. Right. And that's you listening to your client, right? Yeah, yeah it, you, you've got to, um, when I'm showing a property, I got to know to shut up. You know, I can, I can try and impress everybody with my vast amount of knowledge, but, you know, they're really not interested. They're, they're, what they're there for is to feel the property. Let's take an example of all these fancy brochures we do with, you know, color pictures, and we have them sitting at the door. And the first thing that happens, you hand that to the client. You just killed your showing. I do not do those brochures. I put my money into print media things to get people out and do it. When they walk in that door, they need to feel the property. They need to be focused on the property. You hand that brochure and I'll guarantee you one of the couples, one of the person or whether it, I mean, it could be a whole family. Somebody's walking around reading the brochure instead of looking and feeling the property. You messed up the showing. And it's the same thing about the presentation of the house. Let's say you walk in and the door is all scratched because the dog scratched it. And the owner goes, well, I didn't want to really bother maintaining it because the dog's just going to scratch it again. You take a look at that client. When they walk in that house, you'll see them start looking up at the ceilings and looking for other flaws in the house because you set the wrong pace. They need to walk in and feel good about the property, not feel like it's a bunch of, uh, of work that they're walking into, unless it's a fixer-upper at the right price. That's different. But uh, you, know, the, you, you do not want to distract them by interfering with them feeling the property. So shut up, let them feel it, guide them through, jump in when you need to be there, and, and uh, have the house in, in, in decent order so they can feel what they might want to do with it and can they live there. Very, very important, right? And, and I tell you, you're, you're, it's not like you're going to take clients out and all of a sudden they're, they're going to see three or four properties and they like them all. It usually comes down to one is it. You know, they said, this is it. Even though you could show them 10, which I hate doing because I feel like I'm not doing my job if I have to show them 10. But uh, usually I've got it right within four or five. But, uh, um, uh, you, you know, you've got to be able to um, focus and feel, feel it. And that one property is it. Actually, there's a great story I can share with you to, to emphasize that point. Years ago, I listed two post and beam homes. They were both in the country, both had, were backing onto rivers. One had a river running through it, the other had, was backing onto the river. And one was sort of, a, you know, a multi-story to like a two-story, two and the other was a story with a loft, right? And I got, I, I, from my ads, and it was my ads, I got two calls. One of the properties out in the Aramosa area, I had not got one showing from one agent on that property for some reason, which blows me away. I couldn't figure that out. And the other one, I had a few showings, but I had shown it myself reasonably successfully. Um, so anyway, I got these two calls. They said, we're calling you. Both of them said this because you have two post and beam homes and we love post and beam. So I showed them the two homes and each one did, would have not bought the home the other bought. 
they bought the opposite. They, one liked one, the other liked the other, and they were had no interest in the other. There was no conflict of interest. It was a, it was a right on decision that one liked one, one liked the other, and they both, and I sold them both. Crazy. It was a great experience. And that was all from print. Yes, that, would, that did come from my ads. Yeah. When you look at COVID today, and you've been through a couple of challenges, right? You started in 89. Oh, yeah. Even through, you know, 2008, um, when you look at the market today, who do you have to be to get through this time? Because I don't see a V shape. I see a, a, a U, maybe an elongated U shape, gradual run back into the game, depending on how long we are out, right? Depending on how many jobs are lost um, and not returning. Um, so... What do you do and who do you got to be through this process? Um, it, it's, it's a risk, uh, risky game at the moment, if you want to call it a game. Uh, the the uh, virus is certainly no game. It's, it's uh, awful. And um, a lot of people are getting, you know, hurt from a, a physical and a mental standpoint. But also a lot of people are getting very, very hurt financially. Like a lot of great restaurants whether they're going to make it through this or not, I, I have no idea. Now, on, on my end, my commitment is to proceed and be ready, hoping that this eventually is going to change. And so I'm still running my ads. Um, I'm back in the Toronto Star next week. I was in the Toronto Star about three, uh, three or four weeks ago and uh, running my ads in other paper. Matter of fact, one of the papers that I was in that um, you know, many real estate companies were in, I usually take a, uh, the about three quarter page ad because they have a header at the top. I can't have the full page, but it's the first page of the real estate section. I was looking through it and all the other realtors, most of them pulled out, all the other realtors in total were about the same size of my ad. I didn't change my ad. So right now I'm moving forward in a positive way I mean, I showed a property yesterday with restrictions. You got to be very careful. You got to make sure people are wearing gloves and masks and everybody understands that nobody's been sick. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, you, you really have to toe the line on that. Um, but I showed a property yesterday and I showed a property the day before and I just sold one during this um, uh, time period for a million eight that firmed up two days ago. So, you know, um, it's, it's certainly challenging and, and everybody's got to cooperate and try to make the best of working around the, the uh, way you have to show it and how you show it and that. And yet, if you think about it, if you go back to this idea of selling heart, love and passion, and here you are, you got telling people to, or asking people to wear a mask, wear gloves, you know, in some cases, they've got, you know, slippers that they can put on, you know, to, to protect in that and, and make sure they're sanitized. Well, you're distracting that whole feeling all of a sudden, you know, because they're not really comfortable wearing a mask. So who, who is, right? So it, it makes it harder. But um, so far, I, I, I think I'm getting through it. And uh, I'm, I would say in the last week, I've noticed a change where I'm, my calls have picked up. I'm a street person. I, do, I feel, feel the market. I do not go on and look at the statistics of how many sold and all this sort of stuff. That's just follow-up stuff. I'm a street person. Right now, I'm feeling that in the country, the market is picking up a little bit. People are deciding they want to be out of the city. Like my nearest neighbor is 500 feet away, not six feet. And I think other people are looking at that and going, you know what, I've, I've had enough. 
I want to get out into the country. I want the type of space. If I'm going to be isolated, I want to be enjoying it as opposed to being lo feeling locked up. And I'm not saying that people don't have beautiful homes that, that maybe they're comfortable with and they love the city life. I, I, I'm certainly not distracting from that, but it's certainly a different uh, ball game when you move on to a piece of land that's 20 acres and you don't have any neighbors around you. You can walk on your land, you can go outside, you can go is stay inside, whatever you like to do. It, it's a wonderful, uh, experience to have during a time that's so difficult. Right. So you're focusing, you're still doing what you would normally do. That has not changed. You have not pulled back. No. But here's a question I think some of our listeners want to know. Some people are saying it's in, you know, we should not be, you know, reaching out to everyone and saying, are you interested in buying or selling? Um, has that changed? Are you still being proactive with your buyers and sellers? Um, in most cases, I'm dealing with people that have called me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they want to see a property or um, in some cases they want to list a property. So I, I'm not doing a, a lot of legwork in, in the sense of trying to go out there and put pressure on people during a, a very awkward time of trying to drum up new business. It's actually coming to me and it's coming to me because I'm up front and I'm out there and I'm presenting myself like I'm carrying on. I haven't stopped. Right. You've been doing this for 30 years. So it's not like, you know, somebody who's been in the industry five years who still needs to proactively solicit. Yeah. Yes. And, and, yeah. But yeah, but as I said to you in the beginning, I've never really been one that's been out there soliciting that way to start with. I never door knocked. I, I hated it. And, uh, you know, I did do a lot of duty in my first year, which I didn't care for, but I did it just to get connections and that. But um, over time, it just came natural, living out in the country, meeting country people and, and spending the money on ads. And they see that I'm advertising country properties. It started to pick up and people actually started to call me. And and I like that. I don't like bugging people, you know. Um, if, if uh, I, I don't mind following up, I don't mind, you know, trying to, when I, when I feel that somebody's really got the right property themselves, sort of, you know, uh, trying to, you know, move that sale forward. But I don't like just blindly bugging people. Do you want to sell? Do you want to sell? Like, you know, cold phone calls, for example. I've never done those either. I, I, I hate those. Right. Right. I'll spend my money on my promotion in, uh, you know, uh, do the do the drones, the videos, have the presentation. We just upgraded our whole internet mm -hmm. and, and uh, relaunched it. And we've made that kind of interesting and fun. I've got photos of my, you know, a section where you can go, photos of my, my animals in there for fun. Some of the flights down, I have some peacocks that were flying down in the morning. Just a gorgeous, stunning shot there kind of to entertain people about the country life and what it actually can offer. And then of course, focusing on specific listings that are in there. And also this year I've expanded, I brought on board Alicia Black that was working with another uh, real estate company before that was doing country properties. She's uh, 26 years old and, and young and energetic. She loves the country. So I've actually sort of expanded and uh, I've had an assistant for years, she worked with me for 13 years, and we do everything. We we hardly ever get together. We do everything by phone and internet and texting and, and stuff. And uh, you know, if I need to get an offer done, which I recently just did, we worked on an offer at 12 o'clock Sunday night and right. got it signed. 
And so, you know, you need those, you need that type of um, commitment and a, a availability for yourself to be able to produce when, when the deal is ready to go or on the table, or you need to follow up with, a, a, you know, about the listing and that. So, That's right. When we look at right now, so you said some really key things I think are really important and they're really key takeaways for me. One of them is that you have to decide what you really want. Um, most people get into the game of, of real estate or whatever game they're thinking of getting in, they've may have made a half-hearted decision. Make a real decision about what you want. Secondly, be yourself. Right? Yes. Be who you are. Can you live into the image of what you're presenting publicly? Is that really you? Right? Third, spend money on ads. You got to spend yeah. in this business. Well, ads in all the variety of methods oh, right, that we right now, right? right? Right. Whether it's video, whether it's, uh, you know, your internet, your, your website, your, you know, we started Instagram, we started Facebook, you know, at, we're, we're, we're out there as, as much as we possibly can. I think it's gotten a lot more complicated. Um, and I think you have to, you know, play in many different mediums. Over my time, over the last little while, having conversations with people who are producing at a high level, um, they're not just focusing on one distribution channel, they're focusing on uh, many distribution channels. Um, whether it's making sure their email systems are in place, um, um, they're presenting something to the public that different people are going to communicate in different ways, right? And I think that's super important. Is there anything else you can leave our listeners with that you feel that it's really important for them to understand if they're going to enter or play in the space of country properties? Um, I, I just think the most, most important thing is if you're going to go uh, into work in the country market, one, can you financially last that beginning stage of getting started? Have you got enough to, that you can invest in the ads and create an image? And uh, certainly, by all means, make sure that you're going to try and be different and try to come up with an image that you love, you're comfortable with, you feel you can wear. Um, and, and, uh, but, but you're, you're, um, you're, you're, you're happy doing it. You know, that happiness is really important. I mean, I mean, you know, you can look at it as job as a job. No, it isn't. I don't think you can excel at what you're doing unless you're happy with it. You love it. You're passionate about it. And, and you're prepared to commit to it. And so even through the bad times, you don't quit. You just keep moving forward. You know, you can't listen to all the, there, there's always people out there that are going to successfully tell you why you shouldn't carry on, right? Because right. they didn't. It's like in the music business. There was a number of people out there that didn't make it. And I would always advise young artists to stay away from those people because they want to tell them why they're not going to make it as well. I said, you can't live like that. You have to decide that you are going to go after it and you are going to make it and stay away from all that negativity, right? So listen to your own heart, your own self, and move forward despite what everybody else is telling me, telling you. I mean, everything, all the reading in the market, everything else is right now is telling me that I should be holding back and not spending the money I, I, I am. But inside, my gut feeling is no, that's not the approach, and I owe it to my people to move forward. So that's what I'm doing. I'm moving forward. And I'm starting to achieve some successes even during this time as a result of it. And whether it it's great, and I I think I think we'll we'll, we'll 
will improve, things will get better. And, and uh, you know, um, hopefully because I carried on, I'm going to be one of the first people people called. <laughs> I, think you I think you absolutely will. I do appreciate you. I think you've given some really good advice. And I think that um, I think it's really important that people understand that they have to make some real decisions on, on their business, who they want to be, what they want to do every single day and how they want to show up in that business. So um, those are the key differentiators that I see on a daily basis between those who produce and those who don't produce. And yeah, the other thing that I think I was getting around to is stay away. You know, I was mentioning about people that are negative. Our world is based on news and everything of negativity. I mean, people are thriving off of six o'clock news and most of it is, is not good news, right? We need to start turning that off and say, until you start telling me something happy, I'm not going to listen. It's one thing to gather information you really need, like the virus and that. And it's, uh, it's another thing to just be bombarded with all the, 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 the neg negativity. So in the real estate business, it's the same thing. You can't listen to all the negativity, the people that are saying, oh, this is a terrible business. I'm not going to get through it. You know, like I'm not making any money. You know, we should get out of this. And I, Forget it. Decide yourself whether you're in or you're out. And if you're in, go for it and don't listen to it and move forward. It's the only chance you've got of succeeding. It's the way, it's what success is built on. Love it. You, know, you just summed up everything those words are sim simple words but they are the magic and everything that i've ever seen if anyone who's ever produced something there's a real firm commitment on the outcome period yes that was yeah. i appreciate you very much uh if anyone wants to reach out to you wayne what is the best way for them to reach out to you well the uh my website is waynebagley.com and my email address is um, waynebagley at simpatico.ca. Those are the two best methods. If you prefer calling like the uh, office, it's 519-941-5151. And then I'll text message me and uh, I'll get back to you. I try to avoid just getting calls all the time on my cell unless I've, I've already established the relationship because I'm driving usually, I'm on the road constantly. I work from my house and my car or truck in, in, right. in the time. And uh, you have to be careful with that on, on, with, with cell phones. So, so if I can get the message, then I can call them at the right time, you know, through the office, but easy enough anytime through my, uh, web, my website, through Wayne Bagley, asapatico.ca, uh, anytime. Perfect. Well, listen, thank and you. I just go to my cell as well, and I'm always carrying my cell. No, I <laughs> like I practically live on my cell now. <laughs> thank you so much for spending some time with us today, Wayne. Really appreciate it. It was our second go around. The first time we did this didn't work out very well, but this time it worked out great. I appreciate you. I appreciate everything you brought to the table today. And I know for sure that the information that you share with us today will serve people and you will change someone's life with this information. So thank you so much. That'd be great. And thanks, Richard. It's been great uh, talking with you and getting to know you in that. We've chatted a few times now. You know, awesome show. Awesome idea. Great for you. I really appreciate you. Thanks again, Wayne. Have yourself a great day. All right. Take care. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you are fit to work with Peak Results Academy, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to peakresultsacademy.com slash call. That's peakresultsacademy.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what do you really want out of life and your business? Number two, what is not working for you today? And number three, the exact strategy you should be using to create massive change in these areas. Remember, changing your life and creating massive results does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We're helping clients all over the world create peak results in their health, in their businesses, and in their personal lives. To see if we can help you do the same, head over to peakresultsacademy.com slash call. We'll chat soon.